0: Welcome and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. We have a saying here at New Life. Actually, it's become a, an expression of our core values Belong, believe, behave. Belong, believe, behave. What that means is that Jesus Christ wants everybody to To belong to Him. And we believe that here at New Life. We're not looking for a certain kind of person out in the community to attract to our church. We want everybody who's alive in this community to come to this church family and be long here. And when you come, we're always glad that you're here with us, whether it's your first time or whether you've been with us since the very beginning of New Life. Now, One of the things that we believe in the Belong, Believe, Behave uh, statement is that we believe if you come around here and you watch those of us who have believed in Jesus for a period of time, that you will start to believe some of the things that we believe because you'll see that we've been transformed. Our behavior is changing as a result of Jesus. Not, Not just believing about Jesus, but believing in Jesus, that he's actually in our lives. And so that's what Belong, Believe, Behave is all about. You belong here if you're alive. You start to believe things that Jesus taught because we uh, base all of our messages on this book, the Bible, the the Word of God. And then your behavior starts to change as you believe in Jesus, receive him, his spirit, and life starts to change. Now, in in many, many churches around uh, the country, probably around the world, it isn't belong, believe, behave. It's behave, believe, belong. In other words, you walk through the door and people go, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. Uh, Clothes you're wearing there. Uh, wait a minute. You just said, what, what, what was that word you just said? Oh my goodness, you don't behave like us at all. Well, okay, let's 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 let that one slide. Maybe may, let's let's look at the beliefs now. How about what you believe? What do you believe? What you believe? Oh, wait, you got to believe this. You can't believe anything. You got to believe this. You got to believe this and this and this. Okay, now, okay, you're behaving like us. You're believing like us. Now you can belong to us. But a church like that, usually, that doesn't really mean you belong because unless you've been around since, you know. Eisenhower was president. You're never really going to belong. So today we're launching a series titled Belonging, Compassion and Caring in an Isolated World. And we're doing this series for two reasons. The first reason is because we want to emphasize that belonging here at New Life has nothing to do with what you've done with your life or haven't done with your life up to this point. And also what we want to emphasize is that even though the world has never been more connected with Facebook and Twitter and texting and email and all of those kind of things, it's never been more connected. And yet most people have never felt more isolated. And and, and that's the truth. So... God's purpose in Jesus Christ is to break down the isolation in our lives and bring us together, knowing that we belong first to Him and that we belong with each other. Ever since our great, 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 great great ancestors, Adam and Eve, brought sin into the world, the devil has used one primary tool to keep us from experiencing life as it was intended, and it's called isolation. Because the devil knows that when we're isolated, we're weak. And as we talk about belonging, compassion, and caring in an isolated world, what we're going to do is we're going to remember every single week, six weeks we're going to do this series, we're going to look at different facets of belonging, and every time we're going to remember we belong to God and we belong with each other. Today's message is titled, We're All in This Together by Ourselves. We're All in This Together by ourselves. I got that title from a story I once heard about a little boy who went to kindergarten and when he came home at the end of the day, his mother said, how was it? And he said, terrible. They put me in a room full of people all by myself. Do you know that feeling? Do you know what it's like to be in a room full of people all by yourself? Maybe you're feeling it right now. Maybe you're in this room full of people, but you feel like you're all by yourself. Maybe you have dozens or hundreds of Facebook friends, but you don't have a single friend. Who knows your deepest joys or your darkest secrets? I've been a pastor for more than 30 years, and one of the things I've uh, experienced, probably the most common concern people have come to me with over the years, is this Pastor Chris, I don't have any real friends. I don't have anybody that if I needed something, I would know they were there. I I just feel so alone. And we contribute to that because we wear masks. We come into church and and we say, oh, I'm great. And in fact, we're depressed or we're feeling lost. Or or actually, we come in and we act like nothing's going on. And we're just so excited inside because God has been doing so many wonderful things. And we know from experience that if we tell too many people God's doing wonderful things, that they're going to think we're bragging. And we're not. We're just excited for what God is doing. So... How did we get to the point as a society where we have hundreds of millions of people and so many of them feel alone? Obviously, there's no one answer to a question that big. That's why we're taking six weeks to deal with it. But today, we're going to look at a basic truth about what we must do if we're not going to feel isolated and alone and we're going to look at one basic scripture that addresses how we do that. So here at New Life, we have a take-home point every week. And the take-home point today is going to address this need. And here it is. We need each other. Would you say that with me? We need each other. I want you to look to your right or left. Say the person to the right or left of you. I need you. Uh, there's going to be some dates after church today. I can see that. Okay. Okay. We do. We need each other. We all need somebody. And the truth is, for decades, maybe centuries, we have believed a lie. That we got to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and that we shouldn't need anybody. A real man doesn't need anybody, and more and more real women too. If you need somebody else, that means you're weak. And we have this tension, this conflict going on inside of us because part of us doesn't want to need anybody. And part of us knows we desperately need somebody. And I want you to listen very carefully right now. The part of you that says to you, I don't need anybody, that's the fallen part of you. That's the sinful part of you and the sinful part of me. When we say, I don't need anybody, we're lying to ourselves and we're being lied to by the devil. We belong together. How do I know that? Well, in this book... In the very first book of this book, there are actually 66 books in this book, the first one, Genesis, in chapter 1 and 2, it's the only place in human history where people are perfect. There's no sin, there's no death, there's nothing wrong. And in that situation, there was only one thing wrong. It's the only place in chapter 1 and 2 where we read, it is not good, is when the man's by himself and God says, God, the creator of everything, looks around and he goes, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, that doesn't mean we never need to be alone. We do need to be alone sometimes. But it means that we were created to be together. We were created for community. That's why God created us, so that we could glorify Him and enjoy Him and each other. We, we see that in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. That's not what we're going to talk about today, though. We're going to talk about this scripture. It's a scripture Pastor Brad brought up last weekend. It's from Hebrews chapter 10. It starts in verse 23. And it not only tells us why we belong together... But it tells us how we can help each other feel that sense of belonging in three different ways. So what we're going to do is something we haven't done for a while. used to be every weekend we would stand up and read God's Word together aloud. We haven't done that for a while, so we're going to do that today. If you're able, would you please stand with me? Look on the screen. We're going to read Hebrew chapter 10, verses 23 to 25 aloud. Would you say it with me? Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep His promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, we know that Your Word says that we were created for life together. We know that this Word says that your, your word is true and the hope we affirm is sure because it's a promise from you. Today we pray, God, that, that not only would we believe that, but that we would live together in such a way that we would encourage each other more and more to this life of belonging, a life of compassion and caring, so that no one in our midst might feel isolated or alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. What an amazing text. It challenges us first to hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Now here's something interesting about belong, believe, behave. We belong together because of what we believe. We belong as the church of Jesus Christ together because of what we believe. In fact, there are a lot of things we believe, but there's a basic belief. That God has given us about Himself. And that is that He created us because He loves us. Now, every other world religion d- doesn't really have that kind of a personal God. And they also have existed for a purpose. And the purpose is for rules and regulations to be developed and lived out so we might gain favor with the deity. Or at least eliminate some pain in our life. But what, what this word tells us is God created us because He loved us. There weren't any rules. Well, actually, there was one. And the rule was given to the first two people, not so that they would gain God's favor, but because he loved them and he set a boundary to care for them, just as caring parents set boundaries around our children so that they might not get hurt when they're small. And hopefully they will listen to us as they grow so that they might live that life that Jesus talked about that's truly life. So we're really different because we believe... That there's a God who loves us, who sent his son Jesus to die for us, and because of that context in which we live, we belong together, not because of anything we've done, but just because of who God is. Now, belonging is a given for those of us who follow Jesus. And that's next week's message, but I just want to say this one sentence. I'm actually going to have it on the screen. I hope it's on the screen. It says this, Every person belongs among us by virtue of being alive. If you want to know how to belong to new life, just breathe. Now, does that mean that every person that's breathing is a member of new life? No, it doesn't. Being a member is a different thing. What it means is, if you are living, we want you to belong in our fellowship because that's who God includes in the group of people that he loves, everybody that's living. And every church of Jesus Christ that's an actual church of Jesus Christ will have people in it who belong here who have not yet trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and will also have those who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and are living in him. And the goal of new life, and it's a very fervent goal, is that every person who belongs here will eventually believe and behave like Jesus. And those of us who already believe will behave more and more like Jesus as we grow. So this is a place for us to come and escape from being in a room full of people all by ourselves. That's what new life is. Did you notice that the author of the Hebrews challenged us to three different ways that we can be part of this sense of belonging and how we can help each other to belong more and more. The first thing he said was this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Every time I prepare a message, I'm thinking of ways to encourage us, to motivate us to acts of love and good works. Now in an isolated world, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to do an act of love. All you have to do is smile at somebody. All you have to do is shake somebody's hand, give somebody a hug. All you have to do is say, hey, Brian, how are you doing? And then listen. You see, when my brother Ken and I were teenagers, we liked to make shortcuts for stuff. And we realized when somebody said, how are you? You were supposed to say, fine. And then they they would say back to you, how are you? And you would say, fine. So when we would get up in the morning, we'd go one, he'd say two, I'd go, he'd say one, I'd say two. Eliminated all that necessary garbage, you know, of saying, how are you doing? Fine. How are you doing? Fine. No, you know, because nobody really cares. But, but, if you do care, what if you do care? Then when you say, how are you, you actually wait. How are you doing, Eric? How are you doing, Eric? Really? Okay. See? He gave me the right answer, but I don't know if it's the right answer because I don't have time to find out. On Tuesday, I'd have time to find out. You see, the thing is, right here in a situation like this, and when you come through the door, everybody goes, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Nobody, nobody's really fine most of the time. But the thing is, we say we are. So love, if you want to do an act of love, just say, hey, how you doing? And just take some time and listen. That's That's a key way. Now, Notice he challenges us to think of ways to motivate people to acts of love. Why do we have to think of ways to motivate people to love and good works? Because it's not natural. It's not natural for us to think of anybody else but ourselves. It's natural to think of our own problems and how our wife isn't understanding us and how our kids aren't doing what we want them to do and how our church isn't the way it should be and how our job isn't the way it should be and how our school is just terrible. And so we're focused on all of our problems and we don't really focus outward. And so it's so hard. And that's why the author of the Hebrews said, if we're belonging to the body of Jesus Christ, what we need to do is get outside of ourselves and actually look at somebody else and motivate somebody else to acts of love and good works. You know, what happens when we get outside of ourselves is we start to see other people. And we go, wow, you don't look so good today. Are, are, are you hurting? Are, are, are you sad? What is it? Or, or we see a big smile on somebody's face and we go, wow, you look pretty happy today. What's going on? What happened? How can I celebrate with you? You see, that's what happens in a true body that belongs, a true community of faith is we look around and we find ways to celebrate and also To experience the pain and share it with each other. Because what happens when we do that is pretty soon, if you know each other and 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 you all know each other, we're in a room full of people who are our brothers and sisters or potential brothers and sisters for whom Jesus died and we're not all by ourselves anymore. So, second, we're challenged and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Now, the interesting thing about that, let us not neglect the meeting together as some people do, is it was written almost 2,000 years ago when the church was brand new. Jesus Christ had just died and risen from the dead. This was the first generation of believers, and their behavior was already starting to eliminate gathering together for worship and for study and for serving. And, and, And the author of the Hebrews said, we got to stop doing this, neglecting to gather together. Now, how in the world, in the first century, how could they forget we know how they could forget. They had work to do. They had guests who came in for the weekend. They had games to play. They were tired. They just needed a break. You see, we, we all know how it is. And, or, or somebody in the fellowship got them upset. They didn't listen to them when they asked how they were. You know, we get on each other's nerves. Did anybody here ever get on anybody's nerves? Huh. Maybe. Maybe. You know, we get on each other's nerves. And and what happens over time is somebody says, I am never going to get hurt again. So what do I have to do if I'm never going to get hurt again? I have to isolate myself. Because I say, I went to that church. You know, they're supposed to be be following Jesus. They couldn't pick Jesus out of a lineup. And, And here's the thing. Notice what it didn't say in Hebrews 10, 25a. Let us not neglect our meeting together when people always act like Jesus. It doesn't say that. Notice it doesn't say, let us not neglect our meeting together when people make a big fuss over us. Here's what it actually says. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Some people don't come together for any number of reasons, but we're to come together because we belong to Jesus, just because we belong to him. And, and even if we're just guests here, we come because we belong in this fellowship and we're seeing if we want to belong to Jesus, but we, we at least want to belong to a place where they know my name and where they care about me. And, and they ask me, for, for real, how are you doing? And they, they listen whenever, whenever I, I start to answer. Now, here's the thing. I've, I've been part of eight churches over the years. In, since I was born till now, eight churches and none of those churches were perfect. You know why? Because I was part of each one. And, and what I realized is in each of those eight churches, when I started to focus on Jesus. And when I started to focus on the needs of other people. The church became better. When I started to focus on Jesus and when I started to care about how other people were doing, I started to want to be part of the fellowship. I found out there were interesting people. I didn't think they were interesting. And then I found out they were because I didn't know them. People aren't that interesting when you don't know them. But when you get to know them, they get to be interesting. And, and, and they have needs and they have, they have talents and they have joys and they have experiences worth sharing. And, and you, you build friends and then and, and friends become brothers and sisters. And it's, it's an incredible thing. And that's God's plan. For nearly 2,000 years, people have been neglecting the meeting together, which has always led to isolation. If we want to experience God's compassion and caring, a sense of belonging, the best way for it to happen is to initiate it with somebody else. Well, then the third thing it says is this, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Encourage one another. I love the word encourage. I know what the word means in courage. It means I put my courage in somebody who doesn't have some or somebody puts their courage in me. They put their courage in me. That's what encourage literally means. And people came to worship today. Some of you came discouraged. You didn't have any courage because of something that happened in your life this week. And the author of the Hebrews challenged us to give some of our courage to other people. That's what encourage means, to put some of our courage in other people. And the best thing about being part of a family of of people like this is we have the Holy Spirit. So he encourages us with his spirit. And so we have more courage to share. And, And the thing is. As we're thinking about this whole thing of encouragement, we're supposed to do it more and more as we see the day of the Lord's return draw near. Is the day of the Lord's return drawing near? Well, it's 2,000 years nearer than it was when this was written. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I know he is. And it might be today or tomorrow or next week. I just got a thing from Franklin Graham that said, with everything going on in the world, Jesus could come back today. Well, that was true 2,000 years ago. He could come back tomorrow. He could come back next week, next month, next year. But the point is, as we see the signs that that it's drawing near, we're supposed to encourage each other more and more because it's easy to get discouraged when it looks like the devil's winning. The devil has already lost. He just hasn't quit fighting yet. Okay, now, the next thing I'm going to say is that Nancy and I have needed a great deal of encouragement this week because of something we found out on Monday evening. Some of you already know about it. Many of you probably don't know about it. If you don't know about it, it's going to be very shocking to you. I guarantee you. It was very shocking to me and to Nancy, and it's still shocking to us. But here's what we found out on Monday night because it was posted on Facebook that our daughter Emmy, our younger daughter, is in a relationship with a 28-year-old woman. Okay. Let that sink in for a minute. Our daughter Emmy. Some of you have known Emmy since she was born. You know the one that accepted Jesus when she was six. The one that's been on ten uh, out-of-the-country mission trips. The one who acted more like Jesus than most of us in the room for most of her life. That that same Emmy. So what does belong, believe, behave have to say at a time like this? Well, well, Emmy ha- has always belonged here, ever since she was born. Well, actually, she was born a little bit before she was seven when we started New Life. But she's belonged here since we started. And for most of her life, she's believed the stuff that we believe. But right now, she's, she's, her beliefs have shifted and behaviors are obviously shifted. So what does belong mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means for Nancy and I. It means that Emmy still belongs in our family. Because Jesus loved us, not because of anything we did. I mean, God loves us because we're alive. Remember I said if you're breathing, Jesus wants you here. Well, Emmy's breathing. breathing. And we didn't love her because she acted like Jesus. We loved her because she's our daughter. And so we still love her because she's our daughter. Now, at the same time, what we made clear to Emmy is we cannot and will not ever agree with her pursuing a path of sin in her life. I woke up on Tuesday morning and I asked myself a very simple question. Do I believe what I believe? You see, it's belong, believe, behave. Do I believe what I believe? While everyone belongs here by virtue of being alive, our beliefs don't change when our children decide to do something that's against our beliefs. Or the majority votes to change what's right. You see, if 80% of Americans vote to make something legal, it won't make it right. It will just make it legal. If 100% of people like something on Facebook, it won't make it right. It will just make it popular. And the truth is the truth regardless of what people want to believe. And so right now, belonging means we love Emmy, period. Just like Jesus loves you and me, period. And we pray for her. Now, I'm going to read a paragraph. I even have it in yellow because I usually don't look at this thing. I'm going to read it word for word because it's that important. Some of you may have children who are living in ways that are contrary to our beliefs in Jesus as Jesus followers. Maybe some of you are living in ways that are contrary to our beliefs as Jesus followers. If that's the case, then you need encouragement. Nancy and I need encouragement and we've received it. Many of you have told us that you're praying for us and with us. Standing with Emmy to reclaim who she is. Did you hear what I just said? This is very, very important because we live in a culture that seeks to break down the barriers of isolation by forming groups of people who do whatever they feel is right. We live in a culture, 40% of adult Americans say they base truth on how it makes them feel. Uh, How's that working for us as a culture? More people in prison than any culture in the world. More people who are sick and diseased than most industrialized cultures. It's not working for us, okay? So the only way to break down the barriers of isolation in our lives is by this. It is by living the truth of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ. Calling sin goodness so we can all just get along is not what belonging means. Encouraging one another to live out the often difficult truth in the amazing love of Jesus is the basis of our belonging. You see, the challenge is, for us as Jesus followers, we're called to welcome everybody to belong. At the same time, we're called to become more and more like Jesus every day. It's not either or, it's both and. And Jesus, you know, he welcomed tax collectors who were thieves and traitors. He welcomed prostitutes. He welcomed sinners. Jesus is the only person in the history of the world who could have looked at those people and said, those people aren't welcome. And yet he asked a tax collector to be his disciple. He asked, he welcomed a prostitute to come into a dinner party that he was attending and she was crying and she washed his feet with her tears and then she dried his feet with her hair. And Jesus affirmed that. Jesus told a story about a father who had two sons and the one ran away and did all kinds of evil, wicked things. And when the son came to himself, he came back and the father didn't say, I don't ever want to see you again. The father hugged him and kissed his neck and gave him a robe and put a ring on his finger and threw a party. And when the older brother who had never done anything wrong came in and was all miffed because he had never done anything wrong, the father said, I love you too, son. You see, Belonging to the church of Jesus Christ, according to Jesus, is to welcome everybody and then to participate in all of us becoming who he created us to be. You see, if we want to belong to a body of people where everybody's in it together, together instead of alone, we have to welcome everybody and then we have to encourage each other to love and good works and encourage one another just when it's hard to be a follower of Jesus. You see, Jesus believed that if a church would actually do that, everybody would want to be part of the church. And that's still the plan. One of the reasons why new life is growing like a weed right now is because you've been doing all three of those things. You have been thinking about ways to motivate one another to love and good works. You obviously have been coming in unprecedented numbers um, on the weekend services and in Men Life and Fusion and all these things. And I'll tell you what, you've always encouraged Nancy and me, but never more than this week. That's what it means to belong here. You're going to be motivated to love and good works. You're going to be challenged to be here in various ways, and you're going to be encouraged. Now... If you are not a follower of Jesus, you're here today, you just came because a friend brought you, you came because your parents made you, you came because you just thought it might be interesting to try church, all right, and you're not a follower of Jesus, you are most certainly welcome here, and you're welcome here until Jesus comes back. But I want you to know there's something more. There's something so much more. There is belief In the living God of the universe who sent his only son Jesus to live a perfect life because it took a perfect life to be able to be the sacrifice for all of us imperfect lives. And then he died on the cross and he rose from the dead to demonstrate he really is God. And then he went to heaven and he sent his spirit so we could have power for living now. And he's coming back. He's coming back. And if you've never believed that, you've never accepted that, you've never put that into your mind and your heart and your spirit before, I'm going to encourage you to do it today. I'm going to put a prayer up on the screen. And, you know, there's no one prayer that gets you to know Jesus, but this is a prayer that can help you in that process. It says, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. A sinner is somebody who hasn't done God's will. I haven't trusted you as Savior and Lord, as owner of my life. Lord really just means owner. And then it says, today I turn away from my sins and ask you to come in and take over. Be my Savior and Lord. Savior, saved from sin and death, Lord, owner. Fill me with your spirit. The spirit of the living God that I may start to live as your follower and as part of your family. If you've never done that before and you do that today, right now, it changes everything. You don't just belong here because you're here. You belong to the family of Jesus Christ as a a living member. So, I'm going to ask everybody, whether you've ever accepted Jesus or not, to say this aloud with me so that those who may want to say it for the very first time are a little more comfortable. So, would you say this with me? Jesus, I admit I am a sinner. I have not trusted You as Savior and Lord, as owner of my life. Today I turn away from my sins and ask You to come in and take over. Be my Savior and Lord. Fill me with Your Spirit that I may start to live as Your follower and as a part of your family, amen. Friends, we are all in this together, together. You may feel like you don't matter to anyone, but you do. You matter infinitely to God. You may feel like you're all alone. You're never alone. Because if you come to this place, you're part of this family. You will never need to be alone in your life again, Let's live as those who belong to the living God of the universe, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who has compassion and care for each and every one of us. So here's today's commitment. I will encourage a brother or sister every day this week. What an opportunity we have as we live out that commitment. We get to give our courage to somebody else who doesn't have any. Now, can you imagine what it would be like if every single person in this church... Went out into the community and found somebody who didn't have any courage and gave it to them. Wouldn't that make an amazing difference in our community? Amen? All right. So what's it going to be like as more and more people in this community find out there is a place where you can go and you can belong? And they'll be glad that you belong. They'll be eager for you to come back. And you'll be able to make brothers and sisters not only for this life, but for the next. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sending Jesus to wash away the sin of our lives and give us that new life that is truly life that lasts forever. God, I pray today for any who are struggling. I pray for my daughter, Emmy, that you would let her know your love which passes all understanding and that you would let every person that's struggling with any kind of sin know that you love each and every one beyond understanding and that Jesus died so we can live. We ask this prayer in his name. Amen.